various uh, religions, and today uh, we will do our best uh, to cover, at least in a summary form, in a maybe a 10,000-foot look uh, at this uh, religion of Judaism. All right, there is a lot of interest, I know, and here we are talking about Judaism and the conflict uh, there in the Middle East that has uh, risen to uh, the level of war once again. We know that this is uh, the Feast of Tabernacles that has just recently been celebrated there in Israel, uh, Sukkot, as it is, or Sukkot, uh, however that is correctly pronounced, I'm not sure, but uh, that has been recently uh, celebrated that feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. And then this was the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. So I understand also that it was uh, the anniversary of the assassination of the Egyptian uh, president. I forget his name now. Uh, Sadat, yeah, that's right. Uh, I think there was that anniversary. So there's interesting timing as far as uh, some of this and why they chose uh, yesterday to invade. But we could spend really the entire time just talking about the causes of the conflict, okay? We could spend this entire class period. I took an entire class. I was a history minor, and I took an entire class on the Middle East. Fascinating class. I loved that class. Now, Dr. Hainer was tough. We had all written tests, and uh, I don't know... I'm going to pick on Brenna for a second. Did you have blue books? Were blue books still around in your time at Bob Jones? No? Okay. We had the infamous blue books. Uh, I don't know if anybody had blue books. I don't know if they were, oh, okay, there's other people who had those. Yes, all right, okay. So it wasn't just a, a Bojo thing. All right. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so blue book. We had all written tests. And Dr. Hainer, um, she was... A great teacher. I loved that class, but I hated her tests. And uh, she was one of those teachers that if you just tried to write, you know, 500 words to try to cover up all the things you didn't know, she would still, she would go in there. You did not get that particular point (laughs) that I was trying to emphasize. But I just thoroughly enjoyed the class. It helped me tremendously in understanding the conflict. We had to do a group project, and we had to do a peace treaty, and we had to role play. It was, it was uh, fascinating and uh, learned a lot. But as we talk about the religion of Judaism, there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of fascination. There's a lot of YouTube channels, different speakers. Um, you have to be careful. Uh, some of the stuff is, is not uh, biblical. Uh, some people are, are kind of off on their, their, their own kind of rabbit trail. But there's a lot of good ministries out there to the Jews and, of course, we support one, Shalom Ministries, and uh, Craig Hartman uh, being a Christian Jew, and uh, he was here about a year ago, shared his testimony. He has a tremendous burden for his own people and a tremendous ministry. God is using them in a great way, including his son and daughter-in-law, who just had uh, a new uh, granddaughter, and uh, they were celebrating uh, her birth um, on uh, the uh, Sukkot, during the Sukkot, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles celebration. But we are looking at shattering the deception in uh, dealing with the religion of Judaism. 
in our series on Bible Answers to Error. So we could get into, again, an entire series. I took an entire class on the Middle East. We're just going to quickly go through some of the history of the conflict. Some of the history of the conflict. So we can go all the way back to Isaac and Ishmael in the book of Genesis. We won't have time to go back and look at all of these passages But we could go back to the conflict between Isaac and Ishmael. Someone give me a real quick synopsis of that conflict. Isaac was the chosen or the rejected? Chosen, Chosen, okay. So Isaac is the chosen. Correct. Ishmael, according to the Muslims, he was the chosen, right? Okay. And they, we, we often consider Ishmael as the father of what people, what group of people? The Arabs, okay, and there's historical uh, reason to believe that. Okay, so Ishmael, though uh, he was uh, blessed by God in the terms of his uh, being able to be fruitful and multiply, okay, because he was a son of Abraham, yet he was not the heir. And we know the conflict there. Some of that was between Sarah and Hagar. And, of course, Abraham went outside of God's will and God's design, God's desire for Abraham to have a chosen seed. And he uh, had the relationship with Hagar that was outside of what God had ordered and designed. And uh, Hagar was basically, what, a handmaid, right? A, uh, A maid. And so Ishmael was not through Sarah, so not according to God's order and God's design. So in God's providence, obviously, he still took care of Hagar and Ishmael, and we know the story, but that's obviously a history, and it goes all the way back to the source of some of this conflict. We can go on to the strife between Jacob and Esau, and that's uh, another account in the book of Genesis where Jacob was the one who received the birthright, even prophesied ahead of time that the older would serve the younger. But of course, Isaac tried to manipulate things. Rebekah tried to manipulate things. We know Esau sold his birthright for uh, some venison. And he was the kind of guy that he did not honor the things of God. He despised his birthright. He despised that which God had held holy, that God had honored. And Esau was rejected. Jacob, of course, he continued to uh, have his own issues, um, but he was nevertheless the one that God had chosen, that the uh, blessing and the birthright would come through. But we know that history of conflict, though they eventually did reconcile, Esau never did fully repent. Though Jacob and Esau were able to hug and go their separate ways in peace, Esau never did truly repent of his sin. He continued in a way of transgression against God. So that conflict. And then, of course, the Jews would reject Jesus as the Messiah. We know there's a remnant, but in majority, there was the rejection of Jesus Christ. Muhammad comes on the scene in the 600s A.D. We spent last week's lesson talking about Islam. And there is good reason to believe that because of the paganism, the idolatry, and even some of the 
the sins of Israel, that there was at one point early on uh, a thought that maybe Muhammad was the Messiah. But they figured out pretty quickly as he rose in power and influence and the kind of violence and his rhetoric and his teachings, they realized this is not the Messiah. Muhammad, of course, wanted their allegiance. He wanted their loyalty. They rejected him. And he then turned on the Jews. And it's interesting when you look at the Koran. I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not. When you look at the Koran, you look at Muhammad's teachings, it's almost a direct contradiction to biblical teaching. It's, it's, it's a satanic influence. It, it really is. Because not just the way that Muhammad received these things, but of course the, the way in which they are followed. There's obviously a satanic influence. But he wrote specific doctrines and teachings to be directly contradictory to the Word of God regarding Jesus, the Trinity, on and on. And it's, it's interesting when you, when you look at it uh, in detail. So Muhammad became very angry at the Jews. He felt like they had, any, in some cases, they had corrupted, and they did not have the, the truth. They had messed it up, on and on and on. Of course, then they believed that Muhammad came along and corrected everything that had been corrupted. And Muhammad became very angry at the Jews, at Christians. We know that there is obviously a satanic influence, principalities, powers of the air, spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, that is uh, part of this. And then Islam, excuse me, claimed land in Palestine through Muhammad, though Muhammad never went there himself. He never set foot in the land of Palestine. The Dome of the Rock, that's a vision that he had. You have the Ottoman Empire, and we talked about that, and some of the conquests, but Muhammad himself never set foot in Palestine. The Dome of the Rock... That mosque there is only because of a vision that Muhammad had, and he claimed on behalf of Islam that particular area. That is part of the, the conflict there in the Middle East that continues to this day, is the Muslims' claim to that area, which, of course, is the Temple Mount where the Jewish temple was built, and we know that Israel has uh, the rights to that land. We can talk about all of the, oh, let's see here. In America, there's all this talk about stealing the land from the ancestors, Native Americans, on and on. But somehow the Muslims get an exemption from that because they've stolen and claimed lots of land that was not theirs. And the Dome of the Rock is one area that they claim that they have no rights to. The Ottoman Empire, we saw the map last week, and the expansion through violence, through overthrow. Uh, they are one of the greatest abusers of this whole colonization that we hear, and these takeovers and the stealing of land. They are one of the greatest abusers of that. It's interesting that in the slave trade, very little has ever talked about the Islamic slave trade. David Livingston, if you read his biography, David Livingston is traveling through Africa, preaching the gospel, exploring, and he talks about the Islamic slave traders. And it's interesting that the Muslims get an exemption 
and yet much of their conquest in northern Africa is the direct, it has direct correlation with slavery. They were involved in the slave trade. I believe even beyond what the what Western civilization, William Wilberforce and England and of course here in the United States in the 1860s and beyond, I believe the Muslims were continuing the slave trade much beyond that. And uh, it's not talked about, but it's uh, something that probably should be mentioned more often. All right, so that is just some of the history of the conflict. Then we could get into the nation of Israel forming, 1948. We could get into this whole idea of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. We can get into terrorism. Does Hamas believe that Israel should even exist? No. Does Hezbollah believe that Israel should exist? No. Those radical Islamic groups, they don't believe Israel should exist. There are entire countries and their leadership that do not believe Israel should exist. We know that Iran is probably behind Hamas and Hezbollah. They're doing a lot of the financing. And again, I'm not here to get into all the politics and the geopolitical uh, of, of all that, but we know the conflict has uh, continued into uh, the 20th century and now the 21st century. Um, the two-state idea is not a resolution, is not a solution to the conflict. It's interesting that the Palestinians, they could be absorbed into the Arab countries and treated very well. Israel treats the Palestinians very well. You know that there are Arabs who are citizens of Israel? Israel has, yes, it has had its wrongs, but overall, Israel treats the Palestinians very well, has done more to provide for them than even the Arab countries around. And I know that's a hidden fact, but it's the truth. And the two-state rule will not work. It won't work, because that's Israel's land, for one thing, but also because the terrorists will not negotiate unless the eradication of Israel is on the, the paper, on the treaty. Well, we all know that if Israel put down its weapons, what would happen? Israel would cease to exist. But if the Arabs, excuse me, the Palestinians, the terrorists, if they put down their weapons, then what would happen? There'd be peace. There'd be peace. That says a lot right there, okay? So let's now get into more of a religious view or a religious perspective. There's a misunderstanding. Judaism is actually a reaction to biblical Christianity. Okay, I know this can get into some breaking up, trying to separate peanut butter from jelly after you put the sandwich together. Okay, But Judaism is a reaction to and a rejection of biblical Christianity. I realize that we have a lot of similarities in doctrine. It's, it's a fascinating study. The feasts, some of you are well-versed on this and follow the, the news of Israel and Jews, and you're even probably better experts on some of the details of this than I am. But we have to understand there was a split. Is, is our Savior, Jesus Christ, a Jew? Yes. Did he 
fulfill all righteousness of the Mosaic law? Yes. Is the, New, the New Testament is, in a sense, the, the flower, and the Old Testament and the prophets, in a sense, are the stem and the leaves, and the New Testament is the fulfillment, the New Covenant. All right? So we don't discard the Old Testament? Of course not. We don't consider the Old Testament to be irrelevant for today, like one popular preacher uh, has been saying and has said. We, we obviously believe the Old, New, the Old New Testaments, Genesis through Revelation, to be uh, equally the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God. The New Testament uh, explains and interprets and often shows the fulfillment of what the Old Testament prophesies. We can get into all the theology of that. But the point is, there was a split. Okay, so as you look up here on the screen, we see in the name Jew, Judaism, it comes from the name Judah, one of the largest tribes, and for which the southern kingdom was named. Though the roots of Judaism are found in the Old Testament, it has become very different from the teachings of the Old Testament and rejects Jesus and the New Testament altogether. There was a division in the first century. Acts 19 and verse 23. Acts 19 and verse 23 is one of these texts that speaks to this division. Acts 19 and verse 23. And the same time there arose no small stir about the way. The way. What is that a distinction of? The dis- separation of the Judaizers from the true Christians, biblical Christianity, the followers of Jesus Christ. The way. Why is it called the way? Why were the first century people, and obviously by the inspiration of God, why is the way the chosen phrase to use to describe biblical Christianity, the followers of Jesus Christ? Yes, Earl. Jesus referred to himself as John. The way, the truth, and the life. Exactly. So then we can also go to Acts 24 in verse 14. We see another text that speaks to this. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. Does he, does he throw out the Old Testament? No, he doesn't. He says the law and the prophets pointed to Jesus Christ. The entire Bible, in Genesis to Revelation, is about Jesus Christ. The law and the prophets point to show our sinfulness. The law is a school teacher, a taskmaster, a teacher revealing to us our sinfulness, our inability to keep the law, and pointing us to Jesus Christ who fulfilled all righteousness. And we are only, uh, the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed to our account, justification, and upon saving faith, upon our faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. Not having my own righteousness, Paul says. And he's preaching here. And he says, they call the way heresy. We see that split. Now, Acts 7 and verse 52 is on the screen. Acts 24 and verse 14 I just read. But Stephen is preaching in Acts 7. And he asks the question, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? 
and they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one. Who's the just one? Jesus Christ. Of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. Stephen preached it strong, didn't he? He didn't mess around. Yet he had love for those people, and he, as he was being stoned to death, he said, Father, forgive them. Hold this, don't hold this sin to their accounts. But Stephen was clearly marking that distinction, wasn't he? Okay? So it's important for us to understand that. That's not said in condemnation or judgment and heresy. Um, it's said because there are many people who say, well, we're all on the same road to heaven. And you know how it goes. And they'll even narrow it down and say, well, because the Jews are the chosen ones of Christ and because Christianity and Judaism is there's so much alike, you, they're, they're going to get to heaven too. They believe in the same God. And there's that whole idea of as long as you're sincere and you have faith, then no matter what path you're on, you can get to heaven. You can do it your own way. And there's a great divide. And it's very clear in the book of Acts. There is the way through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And then there is another way, man's way, and all these other religions. And we've spent some time looking at a few of them. So though it is a monotheistic religion, though they would claim to believe in the same God, they approach him in the wrong way. And what does God say? God says, it's not just that you worship me and me alone, but you also also worship me the way I say. You can only come to me through Jesus Christ. There's only one way. And Jesus dealt with that with the Samaritan woman, didn't he, in John 4? And he said, Worship God in spirit and in truth. You only come to God one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. All right. So now we talk about authority again. We've spent some time already dealing with this issue. And this is, again, where the foundation, where the, 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 the feet are pointed, it is the premise. It shows the direction. You're at the wrong starting point, pointing the, or you, you may be at the same starting point, but you're pointing in a different direction. You're going to end up in the wrong place. And they reject the New Testament. They reject Jesus Christ. Some Jews will hold primarily to the Torah, the first five books. Some will include the entire Old Testament as authoritative as the words of God, but they add the Talmud, specifically the Babylonian Talmud. There's another shorter and less authoritative one called the Jerusalem Talmud or the Talmud of the land of Israel that was compiled around 200 AD. The World Book Encyclopedia is the quote there to your right on the screen. A collection of legal, this is a definition of the Talmud, a collection of legal and ethical writings as well as Jewish history and folklore. It serves primarily as a guide to the civil and religious laws of Judaism. Orthodox Jews believe the laws in the Talmud were given to Moses by God and passed down orally from generation to generation. About 200 AD, scholars wrote down these oral laws in a work called the Mishnah. Later, scholars explained and interpreted the Mishnah. 
Their comments were written in the Gemara, which was written between 200 and 500. So the Gemara is kind of the early stages. And then the Mishnah and the Gemara together make up the Talmud. So they will hold the Talmud in equal authority with the Old Testament. Sounds similar to what Muslims do with the Quran and I just forgot the term. Hadith, thank you. And they say the Hadith explains and interprets how to live out the teachings of the Quran and to do it the way Muhammad did it. What would Muhammad do? Sorry to throw a little play on the what would Jesus do. Okay, I know that was a big movement back in the day, right? But they, they literally see the Hadith as what would Muhammad do. Okay, and so when some of this controversial stuff comes up, and they'll talk about the Quran. They're also talking about the Hadith. They're also talking about the interpretation based on what Muhammad did. So some of it gets, um, we don't have time to go into some, some of the things that are going on, but the Jews will hold the Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud, in same regard as the Old Testament and reject the New Testament and, of course, Jesus Christ. Okay, quick summary of Jewish, or excuse me, Judaistic beliefs. There are 13 of these, and they are summarized by a medieval Jewish scholar named Moshe Ben, and I want to say Marmalade. I am sorry. That's just the name. That's just what comes up when I think of this. But Maimon or Maimonides, Maimonides, can't pronounce it right. So he was a Jewish scholar in the in, Medieval times, and he summarized Judaism into these 13 articles. Now, let's look at them very quickly here. God alone exists and is creator. God is one and unique. God is incorporeal and incomparable. God is eternal, both first and last. We are to pray to God alone, no other. The words of the prophets are true. Moses was the chief prophet, and his prophecies are true. There will be no other Torah, since it cannot be changed. God knows all things, including the thoughts and deeds of men. God will reward the righteous and punish the wicked. The Messiah, what's the next word? Will come, is what they're saying. The dead will be resurrected, and that's the 13 articles. A lot of similarities. We just emphasized one difference. The Messiah will come. Any other clarifications or contradictions that we see so far with these 13? Drew? Drew? Good, good point. Yeah, the chief prophet, did not Moses speak of the coming of Jesus Christ? Did Jesus not tell uh, in the rich man and Lazarus, the accounts of the rich man and Lazarus, what was the rich man begging for, for someone to go back and tell his brothers? And Jesus said what? They have... Moses and the prophets, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen to someone who comes out of hell and tries to warn them about going there. Does that not speak to the power and the authority of the word of God and the Old Testament alone? Of course, we now have the New Testament and we believe the inspired word of God, Genesis through Revelation. But yeah, contradiction right there in what even the prophets speak regarding Jesus Christ. Justin. 
Well, their Messiah is typically in the terms of a political ruler, um, an overthrow of some sort of political, military type of... So at, in the early stages of Muhammad rising to power, there were some who thought Muhammad might be the Messiah because he came with a political and a religious, often the two combined, political and religious. So they're looking for a, a Messiah with a political and a religious flavor that's going to exalt the Jews. Yes? Mm-hmm. Not that I not that I know of. They don't have a pope per se. No, yeah, not like a pope, but like, they have, like, an imam or a caliph or something. They have priests, rabbis. They're rabbis. The rabbinical rule in the Talmud. That's it's not so much in a single person. Earl. Yeah. Reminds us of the rich young ruler. And he, he came to Jesus, and Jesus answered with the commandments. And he said, oh, I've kept those from my youth up. And he left out a few, didn't he? <laughs> and then Jesus was obviously exposing his sin and his self-righteousness and trying to point him to saving faith in himself and not in his own works. But, yeah, it's a good point. Yep. Anything else? We see a lot of similarities, again. So it, it creates a temptation to unite in an ecumenical way for some. And same with Catholicism. There are some in ecumenical churches and denominations who say, well, we have so much in common, so let's unite. We, we've seen that. We've seen that throughout history. We see it going on even right now with some ecumenical denominations and churches. Yes? He does. He does. Yeah, we see it over. If, if we have time next week, I want to, the last lesson before Dan starts the, the series on creation, I want to talk some more about this in the New Apostolic Reformation and some of the uh, New Age ecumenical. But yeah, there's a lot, a lot of truth. And then there's the sprinkling of air. But if you really go back again to foundational things, the rejection of Christ, the rejection of the New Testament, that there in and of itself is ultimately a rejection of the gospel. And what did Paul say in Galatians 1 and verse number 8? If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. He says, even if an angel of light preaches any other gospel, let him be accursed. So, but it's, it's, it's so true what Becky said. There's a lot of mixture of truth and error. And Satan loves to do that. So, divisions of Judaism... We know in Bible times and through the intertestamental period, some of these groups arose. We are familiar with the Pharisees, strict adherence to the Mosaic Law, the Old Testament tradition, taught Levitical duties could be practiced by all Jews. 
They go back to 150 B.C. during the, during the Maccabean era. They became the basis for rabbinic Judaism after the fall of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. So a lot of the orthodoxy that we see in Judaism comes as a, goes all the way back, I should say, to the Pharisees. Believed in the resurrection of the dead and afterlife. But then we know about the Sadducees. They trace their roots back to 1 Kings 1.8 to Zadok, the priest. They were often involved in priest and temple rule. Of course, they had a lot of influence in the Sanhedrin. We talked about that. We went through the book of John and dealt with the crucifixion of Jesus and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Sadducees having a lot of political influence and power. We talked about Caiaphas, Annas. Did not believe in the resurrection of the dead or afterlife. Paul would exploit that conflict as he was addressing the, the Sanhedrin and at different times. The Essenes were around 300 years in existence. They were more of the ascetic, lived in communes, vows of poverty, but they did preserve the Dead Sea Scrolls, hid those in the caves, which were then found many years later. The scribes, we know of them in the New Testament. They were highly trained scholars. Sometimes they're referred to as, I think, even as lawyers. But lawyers not in the sense of what we think of in a courtroom and judges and juries and all that. More of they were copyists. They would literally, in painstaking ways, copy the scriptures. And they did not have, of course, all the nice copy machines and all the digital ways in which we can copy things. They would be very meticulous in copying the text, sometimes in rooms with one person up at the front, orally giving reading, and then they would copy it down. We're thankful for the contribution of the Masoretes, who faithfully copied the Old Testament text. Uh, today they might be defined or known as the Sophers, and they often were in the occupations of bankers, judges, and governing authorities. And then the Zealots. They were the nationalists. They despised Roman rule. They provoked violent revolts. One in the Maccabean era. Now we know that the Maccabean, under Judas Maccabeus, there was some pushback on Roman rule. Hanukkah is coming up, and that is a celebration of the menorah remaining lit during the cleansing of the temple by Judas Maccabeus and his group. So there was some success by the Maccabeans, but that was harshly put down. And then the zealots led the revolt against Rome, 66 to 73, 70 A.D., Jerusalem is destroyed. So that's the groups historically within Judaism. Now, we'll quickly read this, and then we'll get into some of the more modern divisions before we finish up today. After the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70, Jews were taken captive, fled, or a small number remained there in the Middle East. Sephardic Jews fled to Spain, Portugal, North Africa, the Middle East. They were divided up into Sephardim and Mazrakim groups. Sephardim were uh, basically around 1492 when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. They were pushed out of Spain, and they basically joined up with the Mazrakim, though there are some remnants of the Sephardim Jews in Western Europe. The Ashkenazi Jews settled in Germany. They lay claim to Noah's great-grandson who settled there. 
and the Messianic Jews would claim to be Christians. Now, the Ashkenazi Jews, the Sepharidim, and the Masrachim, Masrachim, those would be the Jews that would sometimes be the source of conflict in Europe. And of course, the Ashkenazi Jews in Germany, the German nationalists reacted because the Jews came in in great numbers to Germany, and of course, the German nationalists, and of course, you know who, dare I even mention his name, he used that against the Jews and took that German nationalism and obviously the Holocaust, six million plus Jews murdered and there's that tension. And so some of that is the result of the, 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 the spread, the dispersion of the Jews. Now, Messianic Jews would claim to be Christians, having trusted Christ as their Savior and Messiah. I think there are various groups, subgroups within the Messianic Jews. Some are converted Gentiles and retain some Judaistic customs and traditions. They believe both the Old and New Testament to be the Word of God. Messianic Jews, I think, again, there are different subgroups. Some follow more ritualistically. Some follow less. Does anybody have, uh, maybe someone they know who's a Messianic Jew wants to expand on that at all? I know some, they're very, very particular, and they know all the different holidays, and they try to participate as much as they can. Some are just uh, kind of general, but, Earl? Right, right. Yeah. So there's different groups even within the Messianic Jews. Okay, we don't have a lot of time, but let's look at these groups here real quick and then touch, touch on some of the things that we've already talked a little bit about as we wrap this up. But branches of Judaism, you have the Reformed, began around the 1800s, uh, uh, liberal. The conservative Jews that try to balance between the Reformed and the Orthodox, the Orthodox Jews, a lot of traditional beliefs, kosher diets, Sabbath rest, distinctive dress codes, and then a large group of Jews are secular. They claim the heritage, um, maybe have some cultural identities, but they're secular humanists. So that's why we can read about certain Jews in places of science or history or medicine. I quoted one on a Sunday night a few weeks ago who is a homosexual and he is using secular humanist ideas to promote his perverse moral idea of the world. Uh, A lot of Jews are secular. Even the Jewish state in 1948 was founded, I believe, as a secular state for the most part. Um, Ben-Gurion was secular for the most part, right? Yeah. And then, um, well, we don't have time to get into a lot of the detail here. Let's finish up with looking at some doctrinal errors and shortcomings. We've spent some time looking at authority. Okay? They believe the Old Testament in its entirety... So the Old Testament in its entirety is not considered inspired and authoritative by all Judaists. Okay? So again, some will hold to just the Torah 
Some will consider the entire Old Testament. But for the most part, they will consider the Old Testament to be the Word of God, but as it is interpreted by what? Did I put it up there on the screen? But as it is interpreted by what? The rabbis, the oral traditions, which are codified in the Talmud. So they reject the New Testament. The Talmud interprets, essentially, and explains and applies the Old Testament and the law. Some would only hold to the Torah. But it's interesting that the Babylonian and Jerusalem Talmuds contradict each other. So even the rabbis don't agree with each other. But supposedly the Talmud is authoritative as the Old Testament. It is the Word of God. So it sounds like, according to Judaistic teaching, God's a little confused. He gave the Old Testament, he gave the law, but then he also gave the Talmud. So then why does it contradict itself? And then there's another Talmud that's not as revered that contradicts. See, the, obviously there's an authority problem, isn't there? Whereas we believe Genesis to Revelation, all 66 books of the Bible, equally inspired, infallible, and errant. The inspired word of God, the faith, once delivered to the saints. But they don't agree to that. And so what happens to Isaiah 53, which we know very clearly is prophetic, and I have a book here that goes through and gives 20 prophecies regarding Jesus Christ. I wish we had time. But 20 prophecies, they list 20 prophecies regarding Jesus Christ coming straight out of the Old Testament. Seed of the woman, line of Abraham, line of Isaac, line of Israel, line of Judah, heir of David, eternal throne and everlasting kingdom. He'll be a prophet, savior of both Israel and the Gentiles. Called the Son of God, he will be king, he will resurrect, sits on the throne of God. He would be a sacrifice for sin, he'd be pierced in his side. As in a proper Passover sacrifice, his bones would not be broken, his feet and hands were pierced. Born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, called Emmanuel. God with us. That's 20 right there from the Old Testament. Clearly fulfilled in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. But they take Isaiah 53 and they say what? That's allegorical of Israel. That's one of the things I've heard through the years. Israel is the suffering servant. It's not, it's not prophetic of Jesus Christ. Even Jesus said the traditions are not the word of God, as he's dealing with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of his day. What about Christ and salvation? They deny Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. They deny that Christ is God, who dwelt among us. Now help me out here. From my understanding, they don't believe in the Trinity at least not in the way that we do, because they deny that Jesus is God, so they don't believe in the second person. So then, I don't know what they say about the Holy Spirit. I was still a little confused about what they believe about the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that they hold to a Holy Spirit, because they don't believe in the New Testament and the work of the Holy Spirit. So they don't even believe in the Trinity or a triune God like we do. So they reject the Trinity, reject Jesus Christ. They depend on works. They deny, they deny the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. They believe in the sacrifices, penitence, and good deeds will earn them heaven. Dennis Prager, who is very, very popular, and uh, one, of the, one of my favorite conservative political podcasts is done by an Orthodox Jew. He has a lot of good things to say, but I, I am burdened for him because he's unsaved. He has incredible conservative 
political commentary. He even references faith from time to time. But he's unsaved. I watched a, a, a pastor for an hour do a Q&A with him. And this pastor kept, promo- kept pointing him to Jesus Christ. And basically begged and pleaded for him to trust Christ as the Savior. And he, would, he kept saying, well, you're Jesus. That Jesus of yours. What you, uh, what you say about the New Testament and what the New Testament says about this Jesus of yours. He kept dismissing him. It was sad. Um, I, I pray that, I'll just come out and say it, Ben Shapiro. I listened to Ben Shapiro uh, quite a bit. Um, he's the machine gun mouth, right? I mean, he could talk like you. He's an auctioneer. <laughs> he could be an auctioneer. He's not an auctioneer, but he could be an auctioneer. He's an Orthodox Jew, very dedicated to his faith. But he's an unsaved man. Um, Dennis Prager came out recently in the news. He said pornography is okay. He said if it helps you in your marriage, it helps men in their marriage, uh, by all means use pornography. Dennis Prager said that. He was a Jew. Why does he say that? He came out and explained it. He said we don't believe that the thoughts, the intents of the heart are sin, only the actions. Um, Here's another quote from Dennis Prager and this other guy, uh, Telushkin. According to Judaism, one can be a good Jew while doubting God's existence so long as he acts in accordance with Jewish law. It is not, of course, our intention to deny the centrality of God in Judaism, but merely to emphasize that Judaism can be appreciated and practiced independently of one's present level of belief in God. It's sad. It's sad. But it's a works-based religion. And going along with that, the diet, the festivals, the holidays, all of the ritualistic and religiosity is what saves them. Big difference, isn't it? Similarities, belief in family, marriage, life, a lot of overlap, but we won't partner with them in any kind of religious, ecumenical. We can respect their efforts on life and marriage, and we'd be very, very careful with any kind of cooperation that would muddy the gospel that would make the gospel look different than what God's word declares is the true gospel. Salvation by faith alone, in Christ alone. Death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the gospel includes not just those basic premises, but the good news, the word of God. So if we begin to involve ourselves in ecumenical, cooperative operations... We not just muddy the gospel, the basic components of the gospel, we muddy the word of God, the authority of the word of God, which then calls everything into question. So we have to come back and stand strong in the authority of God's word. I know that was a real quick, that was a jet flyover (laughs) of Judaism, but I hope that was helpful. And uh, next week I'd like to touch on uh, some of the New Age in some of the new apostolic reformation, some of that spiritism, and then that'll be our last lesson before Dan uh, teaches on creation. Final questions or comments? Yes, Sam. Just that last statement of Dennis Yes. Well, there's a difference between doubting God and rejecting God or the true God. 
David had faith in the true God. Dennis Prager's faith is in his good works and a God different from what the Bible teaches because Dennis Prager believes that he can get to God without Jesus Christ. He denies the deity of Christ, the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. So Dennis Prager is actually trying to get to God some other way, which is actually then not even worshiping the one true God, whereas David, his faith was in the one true God and only through him. Correct. Exactly. Dennis Prager is actually trusting in his good works. His faith really isn't in God. Yeah, great point. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to continue to stand firmly upon the truth of your word. Help us, Lord, as we have opportunity to share the gospel with some of these who are confused and deceived by these other false religions. Give us opportunity with the gospel to be able to point them to Jesus Christ and to saving faith through faith alone in Christ alone. Plus now the service to follow, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, thank you for being here, and we'll start the service in about 15 minutes.